I'm Zach. I'm a musician, a former worship leader. I helped destroy Mars Hill Church, and I'm not really sure what I believe anymore, and I'm okay with that. I'm Dave. I'm a Bible theology nerd, an occasional preacher, a movie buff, and I'm an evangelical. And I'm not going to say anything snarky about this time, Dave. Merry Christmas. Because it's Christmas? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Because it's Christmas, exactly. This is Veterans of Culture Wars. Veterans of Culture Wars is a podcast where we talk about, have conversations about, rather, evangelical Christianity, and we, this this time of year, talk about Christmas. So we had an episode talking about all kinds of Christmas movies last time. For this episode, we are going to talk about a Christmas movie, a Christmas documentary, a very, very good one, and a bunch of Christmas music. Zach, who do we have on the show to help us with that? Yeah, we have Mitchell Kazan on the show today. He is a Christmas music enthusiast and collector and the director of the 2013 Christmas music documentary, Jingle Bell Rocks. Uh, We were supposed to do this a week ago, actually, but the Pacific Northwest decided to have a snowstorm, not even in December, (laughs) and that left me without power for 45 hours and got me on the local news, which... uh, luckily my power came on like half an hour before the news was live and the crew came back and filmed in front of my beautiful Christmas light display in my yard, which I had told them was among the biggest disappointments of losing power was I didn't have the joy of my lights uh, in the evening. I, I work down in, in the basement and there's a, there's a window right in front of me and the, the lights on the the bushes in front of the window come on like half an hour before I finish my work day and it's a nice little uh little spark in my day. Um yeah. and what you're saying is all things work together for good when you got on the news and they came and filmed your lights. I I guess so. Um <laughs> yeah actually uh, previous guest Jeffrey Overstreet had been on the news and then passed the number of the reporter along to me and I figured hey uh maybe this will put some pressure on the electric company and, and I'll get, <laughs> I'll get it back on sooner. Cause I was looking around and like my little cul-de-sac is dark and the streets uh, uh, next to us on either side had power. So I'm like, Oh great. Like we're gonna uh, be like the last people to get it back. They want to like restore power for, you know, 50 people at a time or whatever. That's and so frustrating. Not this tiny little street. So at any rate, it's it you know we were all excited last week to talk to Mitchell and then lost power I'm like ah it was it was unfortunate but there are still several weeks before christmas there is plenty of time for this episode to be relevant for Mitchell's uh suggestions to make it onto your uh, your playlists and for you to check out his movie so welcome to the show Mitchell Kezin Thank you for having me, guys, and uh, season's greetings to you both. Absolutely. I hope, Zach, you had a fireplace at least so you were warm. I did. Yeah, we, we, we did have a gas fireplace, uh, so so we just kept that rolling and had, had everybody sleep in the living room so right. it wouldn't get too cold. Luckily, I'd also had 
new insulation done all, all over my house like a year ago. So we weren't losing the the meager heat that we had immediately. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I don't remember being without power quite that long. It was it was not fun. All my no, eggnog. No, I had to throw no. out all my eggnog. I had no. extra I had extra like I had like oh. three containers in the in the garage. It's all gone. That's no, that's brutal. horrible. Really that makes is. me sad. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm glad you can homemade sympathize. Homemade eggnog or book store bought? Uh, it's store bought. I'll, I'll do the okay. homemade uh, for for uh, our Christmas Eve party. Um, oh, nice. But but this is just the store bought. So okay. yeah, that would be that would be really really bad. Well, Mitchell. We usually start off episodes by asking our our guests about their religious or spiritual beliefs, if any. Mm. Um, did you grow up with any um, religious beliefs in your family? Has that uh, carried on through your life, or are there any uh, spiritual beliefs that you recall growing up? Yes, um, my background is my father um, is from his family. My great my grandparents, and going back further, are from Russia. And uh, so they were always uh, attending the Russian Orthodox Church here in Vancouver, where I was born. But when I was three years old, we moved to Calgary, Alberta, in the prairies of Canada. And um, my mother is of Scottish, Irish, Canadian heritage. Um, so we were Protestant Christians, and we went every Sunday to Sunday school as kids. Um, that kind of subsided as we got a bit older into like our early teens and then i stopped going altogether i would consider myself an agnostic now um so unfortunately the only part that religion plays in my life now uh, well when i go back home for christmas on occasion um my father passed away many years ago but my mother's still very much alive and and healthy and uh so on Christmas Eve, we go to the local church um, and participate in a Christmas Eve service and sing carols and uh, that kind of thing. I have to say, among in terms of Christmas music that I listen to, I really miss, and one of your later questions, I think, has to do with what do I listen to on a regular basis during the holidays. Um, because what I collect and the focus of my movie is all entirely secular music. Um, but I really uh, am quite fond of, you know, sacred carols. And there are a number of them that we had albums of growing up that we used to listen to and that I inherited from my mother. Um, so in a nutshell, that's sort of where I am religiously. Okay. Well, but before we get into your movie, uh, I was thinking I'll just play the trailer here for folks to yeah. to hear it and get an idea of what we're talking about. I think a lot of people, when they hear Christmas music, have very specific ideas of what that's going to be, you know, your Bing Crosby and such, and, and that's not really what the movie is. Uh, so let's take a listen here. Am I okay to pop out my little portal and just check out that scratch? Got any holiday music, 45s, Christmas stuff? I'm gonna burn through this stack and then we're gonna just go talk to somebody because there's clearly another section they're not letting me have access to. 
There is a underground of tape traders and CD traders across the country who do this, try to make cool Christmas discs every year. The worst music in the world is bad Christmas music. I found the typical Christmas music grill. So I thought I'd start making a soundtrack to get myself through the holidays. Merry Christmas. It's very far from the concept of jingle bells and have yourself a merry little Christmas. I have bad Christmas karma. I did stuff I am ashamed of. We used to talk about what happens in Hollis, Christmas in Hollis. I called Bill back sweating. I just wrote the best drama of my life. Christmas, you can love it or hate it, but you can't really ignore it. The music and the memories pierces that pathway. Of course, it's powerful. Who wants to acknowledge to people that you love Christmas music? You have a lot of people say, I'm really not crazy. Does that happen a lot? I never thought of the concept of other people they would spend the kind of time and money and effort I was spending finding this music. But of course, it makes sense that there would be. He's got an obsession, all right? <laughs> I'm Fat Daddy. I'm Santa Claus. So that was the trailer, 2013. Um, how how long did you spend working on this movie? Um, <laughs> in total, from inception to finished film, uh, about eight years. Wow. It took about five years to persuade the folks who held the purse strings to give me enough money to make the movie. It was a pretty expensive film as far as Canadian documentaries are concerned mm -hmm. and then another three years or so to 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 film everything um, again this goes to another question f later on but we ended up uh, unlike most productions where you know you, you film through the whole year and, and it would take about a year to create a feature-length movie of this kind normally but uh, we found that when we did interviews at Christmas, uh, sorry, when we did interviews at, um, let me try that again. I found that when we did interviews outside of sort of November, December, in the springtime, and we watched them back, they were just terrible. Mm. <laughs> and people, because people's, weren't, people's heads weren't in, 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 the whole holiday and the spirit morass, you know the <laughs> spirit their their psyches weren't prepared for the onslaught of everything that happens at christmas time mm -hmm. and it made a huge huge difference when we decided okay we have to redo this we, we had to scrap you know a lot of footage and uh, start over and just basically choose each season over three years um, who we were going to follow and which stories of our characters we were going to capture that particular day, that particular year uh, or season. Because, you know, every year uh, Dr. Demento records his special Christmas episode. But that's the only time he does it, is in December. Mm -hmm. uh, the band Low, they always do uh, a, a, a small Christmas music tour with, in support of their, their wonderful album. Uh, that only happens once a year. In around November, December. So, and Elvis, for instance, he was also in the film. Same thing. 
he does his Merry Mexmas tour at Christmas time. So it's like, okay, this year we'll do Dr. Demento Alves and, and Lowe, and then next year we'll do John Waters and, you know, Run DMC and Wayne Coyne or however it went. And then in between time, we had nine months to basically figure out what we needed to and edit the movies from what we had. And it was a very strange production schedule, but it worked to our advantage and made the film a lot stronger, I think. I love the movie. Uh, this year was the, the first time I watched it. So I was behind, you know, behind the times with getting to see it. Uh, Zach had always talked so highly of it. And so I, I watched it for the first time probably, you know, two, two and a half weeks ago. Um, I would encourage our audience to to seek it out. You can rent it on, you know, Prime Video. It's out there. It might be on Canopy, uh, Jingle Bell Rocks. But I love um, the feeling that I got from it that you love Christmas and it's such an important part of your life. All the celebration, all the joy. But you're also honest about um struggles with your family growing up and and with your dad and there's uh, you bring in that for a lot of people there's there's a dark side to christmas there's empty chairs around the table with people that we miss or there's sometimes bad memories that people have and both of those things can be tensions in how people think of christmas as it approaches and how they celebrate and i i just thought your concept of going out and finding rare albums and you know unknown christmas music almost seemed like it was you trying to find this artwork this transcendent artwork that was going to give you that old time kind of christmas feeling again and i just found that so artistic and and beautiful um and i guess my my question there was um i know you know christmas can be in america just this mass commercialization and that ruins it for a lot of people but how do you differentiate between going out and finding records you know treasures that help you celebrate and and collecting them that's a, that's part of what you do um with the tension with mass commercialization and just materialism and kind of the you know the corporate stuff that people really go into yeah um first of all thanks for watching my movie and thanks zach for for um such support um i'm glad you dug it and uh you i mean you basically got got the whole movie so i'm pleased that it that it actually achieved what i hoped it would um and uh yeah for me i mean uh christmas is fraught uh though you know my memories are for the most part really wonderful Excuse me, growing up, because my mother went above and beyond to ensure that the four of us, I'm the, I'm the oldest of four kids, that we had, you know, a, a wonderful holiday and a, and a great Christmas experience. But when I was much younger, my father was absent entirely. Uh, he was a, a really heavy drinker, became an alcoholic, and was a philanderer. And he would basically disappear for days and up to like a week. Um, and just say, oh, you know, I, I don't even know what he said to me. I, I wasn't privy, privy to those conversations that they must have had when he finally did show up. But I don't, you know, I had, it's funny, we were, when it came time to make this movie, and we were going, you know, through old photos and 
putting different sections together and there was the section that talked about my father and trying to find pictures of him at Christmas time was impossible. There's a handful, there's maybe two or three that we used in the movie and that's it because he was never there. Mm. And, um, you know, because of office parties and the whole culture back in the 60s, uh, I was born in 1963, um, he had license to do this apparently, as did many men who were married and had families and kids. And, um, but my father was particularly uh, um, engaged with the holiday and loved to, loved to just celebrate, but not with us, you know? So um, at some point, and it's really primarily to do with the impact that one particular Nat King Cole song had on me as a young child. Um, as I got older, uh, I, I I looked for songs that that would comfort me and and help me sort of uh, deal with all these emotions. And they were few and far between. So uh, I'm still always hunting. And uh, I found just that whole the whole process of searching and listening and grabbing onto those handful of songs that that do um, connect with you, um, really not just meaningful, but kind of vital uh, for me during during Christmas time. And I found one of the interesting things when I was in early, early pre-production on the film was talking with different people that I would just run into and um, even before then practicing the, my pitch when I was trying to raise money. And I would almost to a person, I would, I would find that that everybody had that one Christmas song that until it's heard, it, it's not, you know, the holiday hasn't really been announced in their lives. It's like, once they hear that one song that, that really means something to them, then it's okay. Now Christmas is beginning for me. And, and I found that really interesting. So, and I think that that one song for most people is usually one of, one of the more standard albums, one of the ones that the that the movie isn't for the most part focused on, as it's finding, you know, this alternative Christmas music and and weird, obscure, self release yes. private press Christmas stuff. But the but the one that like is the thing that means Christmas is starting for you is is probably the one that your parents would put on when you decorate the tree or something like that. Uh, for for me, the Johnny Mathis Christmas album. Um, or or the Carpenters Christmas album are, are the ones that signify uh, Christmas to me. When I when I was a kid, my my favorite Christmas song was this 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 Christian artist Evie that she had this album. Oh yeah, I, I've seen that album. Yeah, a lot. That come on, ring those I've never bells. Listened to it. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, okay. she she, she also had a, a a cover of the of the like Boney M. Um, uh, uh, Mary's boy, yeah, child. Mary's boy, ch boy child on there, just done exceedingly white. Uh, <laughs> that oh man, I have to hear that now. I, I've passed over that record so many I mean, times. That's the way that I know that song is that's from Evie, not from Boney M. But you know, funny. come on, ring those bells. My sister and I would get spoons out of the kitchen drawer and, <laughs> and dance around the living room, clinking them together to be our bells. And it. it's 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 very corny music that that it I own a copy. I picked one up at a thrift store 
it it means a lot to me for those memories but i'm i'm not going to be able to convince anybody that it's a, an artistic triumph or anything right. you you um you know just just but it's not it, i was just going to say just like sorry. just like i said you know the johnny mathis the carpenters these more standard things that's for me the christmas is starting thing um the the part of your film that that would deal with one of the more classic Christmas artists is the Nat King Cole song. I wasn't familiar with that specific song, but Nat King Cole is obviously uh, a voice of Christmas for many people. And, and this, this is one of the, is, you know, probably the most poignant uh, uh, um, part of, of the movie is, is talking about uh, this song, the little boy that Santa Claus forgot. Um, and, you know, an amazing turn of events involving that you know the the absolute king of calypso singing the mighty sparrow who i first heard of from like van dyke parks's discover america album uh from like 73 or so like the first voice you hear on it is the mighty sparrow and so when i first saw your movie i was like oh my gosh the mighty that's that's the mighty sparrows like still he's around and still doing it and his voice sounds great still um but yeah could you could you tell us about that song the little boy that santa claus forgot and and how what what it has meant to you and 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 driven you sure um just to follow up on what you said about the albums those albums that meant the most to you from your childhood i think for many of us of a certain age uh, i'm I think still much older than the two of you guys, but um, you know, Christmas is an exercise in nostalgia. Yeah. So um, we're always looking for that time in the past. Um, and for me as a young kid, um, we had a handful of records. We had, my mother was into Jim Neighbors. Um, Gomer Pyle. We had some Living Strings, Gomer Pyle, yes. I used to watch that as a kid. Um, we had some, you know, a couple of Living Strings Christmas albums. We had Elvis Christmas. My mother really loved sure. Elvis as well. Uh, we had, um, you know, a handful of others, the, the classic Bing Crosby album. And and we also had Nat King Cole on a, excuse me. We also had Nat King Cole's The Magic of Christmas with Children, it was called. And it's a, a wonderful record that's, filled with all kinds of really weird very unusual obscure little ditties like i'm the happiest christmas tree and mrs santa claus where the song's point of view is that you know mrs claus never gets any of the credit yet she does all the work <laughs> and um even as a young youngster i recognized the importance of that and i uh, thought my mother was like mrs claus but the song that uh, really went straight to my heart and I guess a little bit to my little three, four, five-year-old brain was a song called The Little Boy That Santa Claus Forgot. And what's unusual about that song um, is that in addition to Nat King Cole singing, there's these little spoken word stanzas that, that really um, somehow for me as a kid of that age, I didn't understand that I was listening to a record that the way his voice sounded and the fact that um, basically the, the premise of the song is that uh, for reasons that aren't disclosed, uh, there's a little boy who, who doesn't have a daddy. And as a result of that, Santa decides to pass him by and he's left 
playing with last year's old Christmas toys. And as a kid, the, the, the concept that, that Santa Claus would purposefully not come visit you for any reason um, was terrifying. And, you know, but the fact that the song was about this little boy whose father was absent in his life, I thought somehow, and hearing this voice, this disembodied voice from the song coming through my, my mother's stereo system, I felt like this man had some kind of omniscient perspective on my life and knew exactly what was going on with me and was speaking, talking, singing to me as if this was my experience that he was singing about. And I used to ask my mother to play the song over and over and over again, hoping that by the end of the song, the story would change and the dad's, the kid's father, ergo my dad, would come home, would be there, and therefore Santa wouldn't pass him by. Santa would come visit and everything would be lovely and beautiful and, and we'd all be together and that's how it would end. But of course, it never happened and the reality was my father stayed that way until my parents were divorced when I turned 14 and the song never changed because it was a record, a recording, and but it had that impact on me. Um, and ever since, um, I, when I became older, you know, I looked for, I yearned to have that same kind of connection to a Christmas song that I had when I was four or five years old. Um, that the net song had, that what it had sort of done for me, it wasn't happy. It did left me kind of feeling uh, kind of just overwhelming dread, but it made me feel something, you know. And the songs that I was hearing when I became older, uh, into my early teens, just didn't have that kind of impact. And I started to really, um, I don't know, you know, I wasn't yet hunting for records. I wasn't going to record stores at that age, but I was wishing I'd hear something on the radio that would be, uh, 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 grab me as, as much as that Nat song did, but that never happened. And you've, you've been making your own custom annual Christmas mixes since like 1990. Uh, I, I had the great honor of, of being on last year's mix, um, which I, I, I really appreciate. Um, so, so when was it that you started seeking out these and, and, and building your collection? Well, this is another element uh, that I won't get into a ton of detail because it's actually a whole sequence in, in, in the movie. But um, there was a particular jazz Christmas song that I heard when I was in my early 20s. I used to go thrift shop. I mean, I still do. You know, I go record collecting, hunting in used record shops, but also Salvation Army stores and thrift shops and anywhere that sells records or has records. And I was in a church basement at the, on this particular day and um, saw this compilation album from Columbia Records, which had all the jazz greats on it. And uh, there was a, a song from Miles Davis and Bob Duro. Bob Duro being the creator of the Schoolhouse Rock um, ABC Children's 
animated program and all those great songs. Um, he didn't just pass the other day, did he? What one of the Schoolhouse Rocks guys just passed away? Uh, uh, no, Bob died in April of twenty eighteen. Okay. Uh, he lived to age ninety four. Oh, the origins of the Merrimack. So um, over the years, as I started uh, hunting and searching and trying to find interesting Christmas albums, I started to accrue. A small little collection, and when I was in art school many, many years ago, um, I had finished my assignments early, and I, I had no money, but I had a lot of time, and I had access to the, the sound studio, which had a four-track and a mixing board and everything I needed to create um, a really cool Christmas tape, which was intended as just a one-off. You know, I gra grabbed all the. Christmas albums I'd, I'd, I'd found over the last few years. This is, you know, this is like November of 1990. And uh, I had just happened upon a, a stack of Hawaiian Christmas albums at a, at a Salvation Army shop uh, just a few days prior. So those were in there. And uh, so I was pretty excited. I listened to that mix now and I kind of cringe, <laughs> but, uh, you know. It's, it, I did my best with what I had, and um, so I, I spent uh, you know a couple days putting the the mix together. It was a cassette tape, sixty minutes long, thirty minutes per side, and everything had to flow nicely and be balanced. and And then, of course, when I made when I finished it and I mastered it, then I had to, in real time, create fifty more <laughs> copies to give to all my friends and my family and. And fellow students and so that took another week uh, so I just grabbed a bunch of cases of beer and just basically hold out in that studio like through the night for for a week and finished the mix made a really crude little cover for it and sent it or gave it to all my friends and and then in the new year everyone was stopping me in the you know in the, in the hallways of the of the college or calling or whatever saying, man, I just really loved your, your Christmas mix. Thanks so much. It, it, it was so fun to hear something a little different. And a few people were like, it, it just got, it got me through the holiday. I took it to everywhere I went. And I was just like, wow, this is pretty, <laughs> not the, uh, you know, I hope people would dig it, but I didn't expect kind of a really overwhelming uh, response like that. So of course it meant I had to do another one. The next year so I made one in 1991 and people love that and I found a few more records and then 92 and 93 and 94 and by now it's like there's no turning back you know <laughs> I'm 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 in this for the long haul and uh, and so ever since then it's just trying to top yourself every single year and in 1998 I made the big move from cassette tapes to CDR CDs, which was a really big deal, and I'm still hanging on to CDs. I mean, I know a lot of people. There's a whole community of us traders and and collectors, a little cabal, and we all exchange, we all trade with each other and make mixes, and and some have just gone totally digital. Uh, it's a lot easier and a lot cheaper. Uh, you don't have to mail anything, and uh, I'm in Canada, so mailing to the states is expensive, but. You know, I'm, I, there's something about getting that little package, you know, mm -hmm. 
It's like a little manual, little Christmas gift to everybody. So here we are, year 32, I guess. Yeah, year 32. So that's fantastic. I always wonder why more record collectors don't end up getting into collecting Christmas records. It seemed natural to me, but uh, I, like you, I, I I did a lot of of thrift store record digging, and and if you go to thrift stores, a large percentage of the records that are there are Christmas records. And you talk a yeah. th there's a little reference to this at the beginning of the movie, but I think a lot of people that they don't dig through records don't really realize some of the 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 weird aspects of the culture of of christmas records where a lot of them are like corporate pressings of compilations that they'd give out to uh you know employees or or um clients um there's tons of you know local choir recordings uh and the you know you get the big yeah. mormon tabernacle choir ones those are always there but there's there's tons and tons of you know standard christmas song versions by such and such local artist or corporate thing um and yeah. and it does kind of create a lot of noise when you're trying to find the good stuff uh especially at thrift stores um but i've been i've been collecting records since my my late teens um my roommate and I in our college dorm room had like 2000 records in, in crates. <laughs> wow. I personally have never had more than like 1500. Um, but, uh, but I'm interested in that. Some of, some of the guys that you feature in, in the film uh, while they're going into shops, looking for stuff, they get some sort of looks from the people behind the register when they say, you know, I'm looking right. for the Christmas music, <laughs> you know, like that's, yeah, that's okay. not normally right. what somebody's asking for when they come in. Um, no, especially when it's not November or December and they want access to the archives or to the, you know, the shed, uh, in the case of my favorite place in the world, which is record land in Calgary, Alberta, um, where in minus 30 degree weather, he gave me access to the shed where there's like literally over a million records stored and housed there. And, uh, there was one section of probably... A thousand Christmas albums that I tried. There's a there's video of this. I'll send it to you. It's pretty <laughs> hilarious. Of me trying to dig through with my gloves and I'm just freezing my ass off. And at one point, oh, I think Elaine was filming me the whole time. But anyway, it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's it goes back to the whole thing of the knee jerk reaction people have when you say anything about have. You know, expressing an interest in Christmas music, they don't. People don't get that you're not talking about the standard dreck that most people are aware of, or the same twenty songs that they hear on the radio. You're talking about more interest. You're looking for, especially for more obscure, more interesting, unknown stuff. And so, they may not have that. They may, it may be in the back room or maybe wherever. Um, and you have to be really persuasive to get them to give you access it, if it's not during the holiday season that you happen to be shopping at that particular store. Um, I don't know uh, why that is. Uh, I don't quite understand it. Uh, Christmas as a, it's not even a genre. It's a, you know, it encompasses, one of the things I love about Christmas music is how it encompasses 
every imaginable genre of music out there from mm -hmm. country western to hip-hop to jazz to sacred songs to choir to yeah whatever. it's a topic yeah. it's wonderful it's inclusive <laughs> yeah yeah so so yeah it's, so i i don't uh you know I, i'm no longer embarrassed when i go in it's a point of pride when i go into a shop and i approach the clerk and Usually I've already called ahead and talked to the owner or the manager and I've cleared the fact that I'm coming and I want access to the Christmas records because <laughs> otherwise you get this, you get this, you know, this yeah, from, um, from the clerk and then it's like, oh no, there's none here and blah, 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 whatever. It's like, no, actually, screw you. I've, I've already done my homework and uh, <laughs> you're going to let me ask, uh, see those Christmas records, you know? Because I just don't have time for it anymore. It's just it just bugs me too much. <laughs> I wonder if um, it's hard for people to branch out and find new stuff, because kind of what we've been talking about before. I mean, Christmas is so heavy on nostalgia. It's like people ritual. have the yeah ritual exactly. They have the three or four records that they listen to, and that's it. You know, like they go to the Big Crosby, they yeah. go to Frank Sinatra, and that's just what makes them think about Christmas. But I mean, that's, what's great about your movie is people can watch it and they can have their minds expanded. Maybe I should go out there and try some, some of this other stuff that is featured in your movie or, you know, uh, just intentionally look, I mean, we live in the age of streaming, right? It's so easy to find other good, good artists is putting, um, putting great music out there. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you're also talking about, um, you know, interviewing some of the artists and musicians who you have been inspired by. And you got, um, you mentioned his name before, Wayne Coyne in the documentary, which is great uh, from the Flaming Lips. I, you know, one of my favorite albums is probably uh, Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots. I was listening to in college um, and their uh, their song, A Change at Christmas, plays over the credits of your movie. But I just wanted to ask you, what was it like? having Wayne in your documentary, how, how'd you guys set that up? Uh, what, what was it like, uh, hanging out with him? Uh, a lot of fun. It was an ordeal trying to secure him for the film. Uh, not because he wasn't into it, but because, uh, he's just, um, a really, really busy artist. He's got his hands in a zillion different projects at any given time. He's always on the move. Um, as his manager said to me uh, when I was trying to pin down a date and time to finally try and secure the interview, he's like, well, Wayne's schedule is kind of fluid. I don't know what to tell you. I'm like, oh, man. So I, I pursued Wayne for five of those eight years, to be honest, to get him to finally, finally, can not, not persuade him, because I think he dug the idea from the moment that I finally got a chance to, to pitch to him, but getting to the point where I was standing in front of him and saying, look, I'm, I, here's what I'm doing. I'm making this movie about independent, alternative, underground Christmas music. Your song, as you mentioned, A Change at Christmas, Say It Isn't So, in parentheses, was one of my all-time more recent favorites. Totally inspiring really smart smart song and i said wayne i want you to, to 
you know, I mean, I could tell you the whole story of how, what, what it took to get him into the movie, but interviewing him was really fun. Uh, it was weird. Uh, Wayne lives um, in Oklahoma uh, City, in Oklahoma, and uh, he lives in a part of town that's pretty sketchy, but I think the rent is really cheap, and he owns an entire block of homes that they call the compound, and uh, they're all secured by barbed wire, and one house is for where all the music videos are filmed. <laughs> uh, another house is where uh, one or two homes is where visiting musicians crash and stay if they're doing a project or just hanging out and visiting. Uh, another house is where um, the music studio and practice space is. And then the main house is where Wayne lives. And it's filled with trap doors and secret <laughs> rooms. And it's this a labyrinth of, I mean, imagine, imagine a Wayne, uh, a Flaming Lips concert turned into the design for a, a home. And that's sort of like what you get when you, it's, it's hard to describe. It's and yet just, it doesn't surprise me at all. And, yeah. Uh, Wayne, Wayne doesn't yeah. seem like somebody that has to turn on the creative juice to, before he goes on stage. Right. He just seems like just yeah. every second of his life, just it, that's the only way he knows how to live. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yes. Uh, when I finally rolled up to, um, Wayne's house, uh, Next door lives and works his uh, right-hand man, George Salisbury, who does all the filming of all the Flaming Lips videos. And the one caveat with interviewing Wayne was that I, I couldn't use my crew. I had to have um, George film it, which was fine by me. So I met with George and he says, uh, Wayne's not here at the moment. He'll, he'll be back in about an hour. Let's just go. We'll set up. and." and get things ready and i'm like no problem cool he's like and he says these days wayne likes to be sitting on the ground for his interview <laughs> <laughs> so i was like okay uh that's fine all right no problem we can manage that we'll work it out and he's like okay anything else you want i said well um i had remembered seeing uh a promotional video that that wayne had done uh just earlier that same uh the, or the previous christmas we filmed his interview actually in april which was unusual it was the only interview that we ever did outside of christmas time that worked um in fact it was even better than i could ever have imagined uh, which is why he's seen much more uh much longer he's sort of seen through well, visually it's so great those swirling uh, counterclockwise yeah. uh motion lights that, he, that he's got most, around yeah. him? That was so, great. Yeah, so he basically, George said, you know, what do you, you know, how do you want to decorate this in any way? I said, yeah. I said, I, I, do you still have those trees from the, from the, um, the fetus ornament video that <laughs> we filmed a few years or the same year earlier? Uh, they had released this silver fetus as a Christmas <laughs> ornament, and, uh, um, I own one, which is wonderful. And Wayne did a video of it and he had all these bright neon colored trees behind him in the video. And I said, I want to have those trees. Are they still here? He's like, oh yeah, they're in the basement. So took me down with an assistant to the basement. And it was like, so this basement was like the underground bunker that went like across all of these homes. It was massive. And all of their props, everything, all the, the you know, the bubbles that, they, that they're in, 
when wow. they go on stage and do the bubble shows. It's the confetti machines, everything. And, and those crazy swirly lights that, that we put in the background. Those were, you know, I just, so I was just grabbing everything I could see that was going to be visually exciting. And I said, let's just use all this. And we, we brought it upstairs and set it up. And then he arrived and, and, uh, and then we just started rolling. And I, I, I was just like, man, like he talks so quickly and the ideas are just flying. I was really worried when we were finished that I, I thought I did a really bad job as a director, as an interviewer. And I, you know, when we got back to the hotel after the shoot and, and, um, finished shooting B-roll and things, I, I said to my producer, I was like, man, I, I don't know. I think I might've blown that. I, he's like, no, no, it was good. It was really good. So I was like, okay. And usually when we, f I wait like a good week or more to get some distance from an interview to, before looking at it and kind of having a fresher perspective on, on the footage. And then when, so when we finally sat down with my editor and started watching it, it was like, holy cow, this is great. He was so good. Like he was just all the different m moments and all the different ideas and, and, and how articulate he was about, about, you know, every aspect of not just the music, but you know, well, everyone, everyone who takes the time to seek out the movie, uh, we'll see how great he was, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, he was what I hoped for and more. Um, so I'm super grateful for, for the fact that he agreed to be in the movie and for, for how, how focused and, and, and sharp he was in, in the interview. He was just dynamite. Yeah. He had, he had really well-formed thoughts on it. You could tell that he, he thinks yeah. about that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So well, well worth the, the sorry, well worth the five year ordeal to secure him definitely. I would have made the movie if I didn't have him in it. Oh. Uh, a, a band that may be the polar opposite is least uh, of 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 that in the movie would be low uh who who doesn't use big theatrical things and and props and stuff like that like their whole deal is is minimalism and restraint and and Wayne's not really into restraint I think um <laughs> I I saw I think maybe it was Jim with Christmas Underground tweeted the other day that that if 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 you started making christmas mixes in the last 10 15 years or so your first one pretty much undoubtedly had a song from the low christmas ep on it um i'm, I'm wondering you know you, you 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 included them in the movie we we spoke with alan recently on here and 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 we all uh were of course you know extremely saddened by by mimi's passing and have talked about that um, so I'm, you know, it's relevant to our listeners here. I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk about sort of where low fits into the, the pantheon of this, this, you know, I don't know what you want, not necessarily underground, but, but alternative, you know, different left of center Christmas music. Yes. Just want to 
want to say how, how sad it is that Mimi Parker passed away. Uh, she was amazing, wonderful. I don't know what's going to happen with the band now. Really sad news. Um, I feel so much uh, even more privileged to have spent that time with them. Um, that record that they made was the very first, uh, you know, new or, or current or or indie al Christmas album that that I became aware of and, and purchased and listened to uh, for a number number of years, and was the first record I thought that I definitely wanted to include them in the movie. Um, unlike Wayne, they were fairly easy to to uh, connect with and to persuade to be in the movie. I think they really got it and they, they liked the idea of of, um, of of what I was trying to achieve with just examining um, not just their contribution, but just looking at, you know, independent Christmas and original songs, because that was a unique thing about their record, unlike a lot of others, which is just filled with covers. I mean, Alan had written a, a, a number of original songs and we featured Long Way Around yeah. the Sea. Uh, a gorgeous concert, song. Uh, for the movie, beautiful song. So uh, when it came time to filming with Lowe, um, it worked out that they were actually embarking on a, a little mini Christmas West Coast tour and they were going to be in Seattle to perform at the Tractor Tavern, which is a fantastic, really yeah, intimate great. venue, um, which was perfect for what we wanted to achieve. And um, we hung out with them for the entire day, did interviews in, during the afternoon, filmed their sound check, then filmed a concert, including uh, a, a stunning version of Long Way Around the Sea. And then um, during the encore, they completely shocked both the audience and me with, I think it was the very first time they've ever performed the song with called Santa's Coming Over, which is this really foreboding, dark, uh, you know, Christmas tune that uh, kind of uh, just put everyone into this trance. It was like, Oh my God, it was kind of scary. Everyone's just standing there going, oh my God, what is this? And it was this really slow, slow tempo building, building. And um, I wanted to include it, but he's like, oh, we're, we're planning to release that next year. And and we, you know, we just decided to, to perform it because we hadn't done it yet. And you can't use the song, but, you know, anyway, I'm getting off topic, sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember, I'm just now sort of remembering being there and the whole, just kind of being flabbergasted. Like, I, I wish they told me, because I'm not even sure that we were rolling. I think oh, we no. Anyway, well, because I, I was going to, I was going to ask about uh, the, the stuff that didn't make it into the movie uh, with all right, those years I, I'm filming. I'm trying to remember. Like, no, we wouldn't have stopped. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have stopped. We would have kept filming through the encores. That, I remember that mm -hmm. was their second encore and it just like, people were just mesmerized. It was really they had a way something. of doing it. Their live shows uh, were absolutely mesmerizing yeah. more than any other band I've seen. Hearing them on record mm -hmm. is one thing. Live, they were really something. Yeah. That's right. 
which is why I definitely wanted to, of the bands that we did, we weren't, there weren't that many that we, you know, uh, getting, going to your, your, your questions about who didn't make it in. I was super, super close to getting you oh. tango in the film, but, um, that, you know, that in the end, you know, then we were there with a the crew and ready to film and it just kind of just, uh, it was, fr that was a really frustrating experience dealing with ira oh uh, yeah anyway, they have some great i another, i really like their christmas it's oh, christmas they, time it's christmas yeah, time so all yeah. can get you. and they, they it's great their ap is so good and uh i was a pretty smart cat and i knew he had some interesting things to say about the whole subject um they also cover that great song poem uh christmas song poem um uh, uh oh what's it modern uh Something modern Santa. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, um, what, what's, what's the song? Yeah, for, for those that are... Santa Claus goes martyr. Santa Claus Santa goes, Claus modern. goes modern. Yes, for those modern. that aren't familiar, song poems yeah. are are a whole genre of music that is unknown to most people. Um, they're they're less of a deal these days, but in the in the in the mid twentieth century, it'd be common to f see an ad in the back of a magazine saying, "Hey, do you?" Do you write lyrics? Do you wanna do you wanna have a hit song, but you aren't you aren't a musician? Send us your lyrics and a hundred bucks or whatever, and we will send you a custom record of your song. And so you you had you know studios with little production teams of 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 musicians that would pump out you know like twenty of these a day, uh, who, however many would get sent in, and they they you know press. A handful of them for for the uh, for the person to to give out to their friends or whatever, and and so there's there's never a whole lot of copies of any of them, and there's a great documentary about them, uh, which is called what is it called? Off the off the charts, song the song poem st star story. Um, really fascinating. Yeah, really great. Yeah, it's it's unlike any other thing you've seen before. I I highly recommend it. Um, another artist that that you cover in the movie and get to interview, um, you you don't talk to Chris Dedrick him, himself, but um, the Free Design. This this is a group that is a little bit more well known these days as the records have been reissued. Um, my parents had a band in the 70s that was heavily influenced by the free design. So my dad had their originals and showed oh, wow. them to me when I was in college. So I got into cool. them before the reissues. <laughs> and and a friend wow. of mine actually got to got to live at the Dedricks and like study arranging with Chris for like a year. Um, yeah, really, oh really God. incredible opportunity. Wild. And um, so they they were a pop harmony um, kind of soft psych pop uh, from the, the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, it was siblings and um, yeah, husband and, and wife and his siblings and e extremely close harmonies, beautiful melodies. Um, and and their, their small bit of Christmas output is... A great example 
of of stuff that if you look into the into the past, you know, before the indie Christmas music explosion, there's some really amazing stuff out there. I actually have the distinct honor of being on a compilation that Stones Throw Records put out some years ago called Bad Santa that that I I, I have I have it on on the the double LP I'm on the same LP as as that free design song playing guitar with my friend James Pants. Um, so that would be like the the first Christmas record that that I got to make. Um, That's amazing. I, I I have that album, and I yeah. didn't realize you were on it. Yeah, it's That's it's a cool. phenomenal compilation. It's a great, really it's a great wide compilation. ranging. Yeah, it's you fantastic. Know, if it, I talked with him and he about being in the movie with uh, Wolf with peanut butter Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, he was. He it was again just one of those things where we just couldn't work out. He the would have been a good one. Yeah, he was keen and I would have. I wanted because I, I was seeking sort of the perspectives of producers and and uh, you know folks who were who represented the industry and how they could def- help me talk about how Christmas fits in as to your early question, even how, how it fits into the whole business of, of, of music and, and the music business and where Christmas sits. And I thought his album, the compilation that he put together, which was outstanding. I just wanted to ask, did you want to talk about the, Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We sort of went, we did, yeah. we did sort of please, a left turn. Please, please talk about the free okay, design. So, uh, free design. Okay. A specific question, or should I just talk about just why they were in the um, movie? And stuff yeah, like I, I mean, I think I would guess that they were the most obscure artist uh, that you included in it, and maybe the one that it, I, I don't know if you had a lot of um, editorial involvement from the 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 money folks the production company i could see getting the most pushback on including an artist like that them going nobody knows who these guys are why would you do this um but to me that that part resonated so much and i was so glad to see it in there um so what what made you decide to include them and and how were you able to to arrange that you know they're not public people (laughs) No, by by far, and that's a really interesting thing that happened. Um, so, I started pursuing them, uh, the free design and Chris Dedrick, and uh, around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and he had a the free design had a. Uh, Facebook page that was being updated every so often and then Chris Dedrick unbeknownst to me had a separate private I'm trying to remember now if it was a Facebook page or just a website but anyway I, I, it, I it turned out I was following the wrong place mm-hmm. to see what was going on with Chris because he had been talking about having uh, been diagnosed with cancer and for two, three years, he was seeking alternative treatments, and and he and his wife Moira were flying around the world, trying all these different things. Meanwhile, I'm just watching and listening, and to this other thread on this other site, 
not realizing Chris is sick and just trying to figure out, okay, when do I time this and approach them to, to ask if they'll consider being in the movie and this and that. So, um, I waited too long. I didn't know. I didn't know he was ill. And by the time, uh, I had funding and I knew because I didn't want none of these artists of any stature. Did I want to go to them on the hunch that the film was going to get made? I wanted to make sure that I knew the movie was going forward before I took the time and energy and actually, you know, because the last thing I wanted was for them to say yes. And then we'd have to come back. Okay, great. Well, I'll let you know if mm -hmm. I'm actually going to be making the movie because I don't have the money yet. You know, it would just be so embarrassing and a ridiculous way to conduct business. So, uh, the timing just was just terrible. Um, he passed away literally a month or two before I reached out and his wife Moira responded to wow. my, my queries. And I was like super devastated. <laughs> And she's like, oh, yeah, he would have loved to have talked to you. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Anyhow, in a way, I don't want to give too much away because it's in the movie. In a way, it turned out to be better for the film in terms of Chris's legacy and the legacy of the free design and that weird single-sided Christmas, I guess you'd call it an EP, although it's an album, um, for folks who haven't seen the movie and don't know anything about this, uh, the free design did, um, recorded. Chris Dedrick was the leader of the Air Force Band at the time. And the powers that be at the government or the Air Force or whoever produces these things. Be the they created a Air Christmas Force, album right? featuring. Oh, okay. No, the American, U.S. Yeah, and uh, they, so they put together... I've, you know I've, this I've, have, I have not thing? seen it in person, no. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've, so I've, I've listened movie. to it on YouTube um, uh, to, to hear the spoken word right, stuff okay. and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So one side is just the Air Force band doing big band covers of Jingle Bells and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And then the B side, the flip side, is this piece... Okay, so it's an Air Force, right? Get this. It's the Air Force Band. It's a military operation. The Free Design are all about peace and love and are as anti-war as you could possibly be. Yet, they were somehow included on the flip side of this album. And they have all these songs, original songs, that reflect their perspective on life and on war and on the world. So... It's the strangest combination you could ever possibly find in a single album. Super hard to get. It's probably one of the rarest albums I own, next to uh, Akeem and the Teddy Van Production Company. Uh, Santa Claus is a Black Man. That's another album I own. It's pretty rare. But the Free Designs record is hard to find. It's a, got five songs in total. And... Um, uh, this will be news to everybody. I'm hoping in, not next year, my movie was released in the States in 2014. It was released in Canada in 2013. So for the 10th anniversary, I'm planning um, to hopefully release uh, a very limited edition 
free design Whoa. Christmas EP that features uh, two new songs that Chris uh, That's recorded exciting. but wow. were never released. Yeah. And then it's the the flip side will have uh, a home recording of him with his niece on the piano and then some spoken word um, um, promo stuff from their original album that also people have probably never that's a super so their album from the Air Force Band was super rare but the 45 promo advertising that album in which was made in like 67 or 68 is even rarer so that material will be featured on the on this record store day release which will hope it, hopefully happen not this sign not me up for that year. absolutely that's part of the tits that's very very exciting <laughs> yeah anyway so they were you know moira was just so moira dedrick was just so um open and giving and she you know as you see in the movie she gave me full access to their entire archive and and just did everything that she could to help me with um trying to do justice to to how outstanding and original and unique their christmas songs are just phenomenal that's really cool and they yeah, had that's to be really really movie. cool yeah have you found any um christmas album treasures really recently like either this year or last year are there gems out there that recent discoveries that you hadn't heard that were like wow people need to people should check these out yeah there's a few but i'm I'm a titch reluctant to share them because this is going to come out next tuesday and these songs will be on my merry mix which won't come okay, out for that's fair. another week or so so i don't want to get i don't want to give away too much but i can tell you a couple things um i can tell you that i i came across um uh, everyone of a certain age remembers oh, the yeah. actor mickey rooney who died, I don't know how many years there's ago. It's a made-for-TV Christmas but movie starring him. I didn't know was this, one of my favorites as a kid. That's, oh, he, there's, that's it, right, that's right. Is it, is uh, it, it came upon the Midnight Clear, a, a live-action movie. Right. He, yeah. He, he was in a bunch of Christmas movies, as I recall, actually, yeah. I think, in his later years. Um, but in the early 70s, he recorded really? a Christmas album called called Mary... Mary uh, Mary, not Mary Maximus. That's the, uh, anyway, I didn't know this, but I came across this record, uh, in a bin, uh, back in the spring and oh my God, it's incredible. It's incredibly weird. It's filled with strange originals. I don't know if he wrote them or someone else wrote them. It's phenomenal. Please. I'll send you a link to it, but I'm featuring that. Uh, in this year's Merry Mix, uh, oh my God, it's it's just it's it's too incredible. I couldn't believe it when I found it and I looked and I was like, look at these song titles, oh my God. And then I, I I used to just buy and buy and buy and then come home and audition things and listen to them, and I wasted a lot of money and spent way more than I should have. So, like Andy in the movie, another one of my fellow collector friends. I now travel with a little Newmark portable record player so I can listen to things right then and there and not spend my money if it's not very good. So I, this copy was, wasn't sealed, so I just put it on and listened to the first first track on side one. I was like, 
<laughs> oh my god, I'm buying this one right away. It was so great. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I found a couple of really cool song poem mm -hmm. albums. We were talking about song poems earlier. I found a couple of those uh, uh, from... I have quite a few. I have about six or seven. But now I've got early 70s with these two that I found, 72 and 73. Um, There's some good compilations that came out of, oh, yeah. okay. of specifically Christmas song poems uh, that that they were like early, early 2000s. There's one I'm the aware of, but I don't know beyond that. Christmas. Yeah, there's there's the one is Santa Claus, yeah, yeah, yeah. six foot four or something like that. It's called. That's the only one I'm aware of that's Christmas oriented. Um, yeah, Daddy is, is Santa six foot four or something like that. It's called. Does that have? It's uh, pretty good. I don't it's know if it's a song poem, but um, um, Mom and Daddy, please don't steal for us this Christmas. <laughs> you know that one. Oh. oh my god, I don't know that one. <laughs> yes, it's a, a, no, a, a plaintive song awesome. <laughs> sung by like an eight-year-old or something. Oh. But knowing times are tough, but oh, please man, don't resort right, to crime. Right <laughs> I love All it. All right, I'll send that's it to so you. Up my alley. That's the kind of esoteric, <laughs> weird esoteric stuff that I've Yeah, I think that's one of those ones my family yeah. asked me to stop playing. These days. <laughs> 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 Probably the most exciting thing I found was uh, so in, in the world of us weirdo Christmas obsessed collectors, there's a song called Can Santa Miss Those Missiles? It's kind of a nuclear okay. war ditty. And the original was sung by a country artist named Reese Shipley. And it's been going around, you know, it's, it's known by all of us in this little world. But I recently, in, again, in sort of early, late spring, early summer, came across, believe it or not, another version by uh, uh, a high school chorus from Cave Springs, which is in Arkansas, doing that exact song. And why? It's a single. It's a 45. And you think, A, how in the world do they even know this song existed? I guess it's a, it was recorded in the same era that Reese, Reese Shipley was, you know, most popular. I guess that's the only reason why they would even know of its existence. But then why they would decide to spend all the money and effort and time recording it to vinyl. It's just remarkable. So that was probably the most exciting thing I found this whole year because it's going to blow everyone away. I my my wife wanted me to ask because she she's gotten into the the Christmas playlist thing as well. She mostly just does Spotify yeah. playlists, which you know that's it's so respectable. There's 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 a a lot of weird stuff well, you can lots. find on there, you know, because any anybody can get their right. stuff distributed to Spotify. Um, so she she was wondering, out of uh, like the sort of stuff you can't get there. Uh, are, are there are there things that you've been hunting for that have thus far eluded you? Uh, you're in Canada, so it's easier for you to find. But there's a very quick shot in the movie of 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 the the Stomp and Tom Connors uh, Christmas record. I've I've for years wanted to get a, a copy of that, but down in the states, it is hard to come by. Um, but what about you? Do you have do you have any holy grails of Christmas music digging? You've, you're on the lookout for always. <laughs> it's funny because 
the Stubbin Con I, I made a note to myself. The Stubbin Tom Connors album is probably of all the um, records I own, records. my favorite of the bunch. <laughs> boot records, yes. Uh, I own two copies of it on on LP, and a, I have a. I probably have enough. I've got at least a half dozen of of uh, the CD because uh, we had a local HMV shop go out of business, and it was right around the late fall, so they had a. A bunch of the Stop and Tom Christmas oh, sure, yeah. for like six bucks or something crazy like that. So I just bought them all. They're stocking so, sufferers for people. They are exactly, but <laughs> yeah, uh, if 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 you like, uh, I'll, I'll send I you one. I don't I don't really uh, listen to CDs anymore so much. Yeah. Um, oh. Okay. I want I want the record. Yeah. You want the album? Yeah, that's gonna right. be tough. Yeah, I right. appreciate I'll, I'll it. keep my eyes out though for sure. I'm always looking. If Anytime if, if I you see find it. it I'll, I'll, I'll 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 send you a copy I'll of my record. Yeah, I'll trade I'll trade okay, you. The exchange. Um, so <laughs> that's that's right up there. Um, I recently found so uh, to quickly answer your question, I don't really have a list because um, the whole idea is I'm looking for music that i don't even right know no no there's, there's different ways sense. that people approach record collecting so, you seem like a real yeah, discover yeah, in the moment yeah. throw it on the portable turntable is right. is there magic here what is it yeah right mm -hmm. right but there are a handful of things i'm i am looking for and one of them i just recently finally acquired um artist named roy smeck who's a steel guitarist and ukulele player of some renown was super popular in the 60s 50s and 60s uh he he produced two 10-inch lps of of christmas songs mostly secular stuff uh they're beautiful records first of all uh, each of them and they're on the the x record label which did a lot of um unique albums christmas and otherwise back in that day and uh i've been searching for that those records for ages and now i have two pristine copies so i'm super excited about that um what i don't yet own is irby green who's a trombonist uh who just died uh last year who is a phenomenal jazz artist and was a good dear friend of bob durow's and I regret when I had the opportunity, I should have interviewed Irby. But anyway, Irby Green put out uh, a ton of records. Probably has 40 wow. or 50 albums to his name. Prolific. And one of those is a really amazing Christmas album called Cool Yuletide. And it's the grooviest of jazz, instrumental jazz Christmas recordings you'll ever hear. And that one has eluded me. I've, yeah, it, it, you see it up on eBay every so often or on mm -hmm. Discogs and other marketplaces, but um, it always sells for way, way too much money. Yeah. And we're talking in the hundreds of dollars. And I just, just Do you get into the like, so like international I stuff? I, I enjoy listening to the Holly Jolly X Masu podcast. So the, the guy, it's yeah. exclusively about Japanese Christmas music. And there's some really fascinating stuff in there, but a lot of that is just very difficult to even know how to find, <laughs> like without traveling to Japan. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I'm, my, my younger brother used to live in Tokyo, so he would go hunting for me. Um, he's now living close to me here in Vancouver with his family, but um, it was really great having him there for a while um, to help me f locate some of this stuff. But yeah, I'm familiar with with um, with Holly Jolly, and um, you know, it's in terms of just that's kind of what I listen to during the season. I don't, you know, I'm always so immersed in in this music for the whole fall um, time frame that I just I kind of don't want when I'm when Elaine and I are just relaxing and chilling and it's you know now it's like December I just want to hear something that's instrumental and usually of a jazz uh, mm. bent that just is relaxing and, mm. and quiet and just not too uh, you know frenetic even so there's a, I have a few go-to records but um, that Irby Green which was released re-released digitally a few years ago mm -hmm. is, is right up there uh, let me think. Um, the other things I'm trying to find are like um, PSAs and 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 like mm. advertising records and things like United States Postal Service mail early campaign records. You know, all the spoken word stuff. Like those are the weird, very uh, yeah. rare kind of things to find. Uh, Greetings, artist greetings, DJ collections. Capitol Records used to do an annual um, sort of end of year retrospective sort of fun uh, record that was just a promo mm -hmm. for staff only. And uh, you, you see those once in a while, but again, they're just. Yeah, I mean, that stuff that's like limited so. in its, in um, its uh, distribution by design. Yeah, very tough. Yeah. That's right, exactly. So those are the kinds of things I'm now sort of really on right. the lookout for if I can see them in a shop, but not very often. Do well, I we we should probably wrap it up soon. Um, I got a, I got some like rapid fire, a couple couple quick little questions. I don't know if Dave, if you mm -hmm. have any uh, quick questions you want to fire off. Uh, sure. Uh, I'll you, you can look and see which ones you want, and I'll go this. So okay, topical. Mariah Carey recently failed in her legal attempt to trademark her Queen of Christmas nickname for herself. I, I think we are all uh, in, in support of that verdict. Uh, Mitchell, is Mariah Carey the Queen of Christmas? <laughs> no, and I was so happy, along with all of my fellow Christmas music misfits, to learn that she lost that lawsuit. Oh, my God. Like, no, I, I believe what Elizabeth Chan said. Christmas belongs to everybody. There's no singular queen of Christmas. And it's certainly not Mariah Carey. And uh, I don't like her. I don't like her music. I don't like her Christmas song. And I think she's just, to try and do that was a super arrogant move. And I think she probably lost a bunch of fans as a result. I won't become one now, especially because I just think that's just the such a vain thing Absolutely. to try and do. Uh, it's, it's, it's it was crass. repulsive to me, and so yeah, really crass. Yeah. That's the perfect word. It was crass. 
and just not not classy in any way. And now this form. may be a related question, uh, especially um, if we if we were going to pick if 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 anybody could be called the queen of 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 Christmas music, this may be related to the next question. So I'll let you answer both if you want. Um, but the next question would be. Uh, would would you make an argument for any particular record being the best Christmas record of all time? No, I, I, I there's so many, so many really, really great ones. I can't honestly think of a singular Christmas al entire album that's that's that profound, okay. and that good. No, usually there's two or three cuts that are great on any given album. I can't. The way that I think of those as being know. related questions I mean, I was, a, you know, if you if 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 you're one of those folks who who would be inclined to say that Phil Spector's "A Christmas Gift for You" is the best, then darling, love. Everyone says that. Uh, yeah. We could say if any if anyone's going to be the queen of Christmas music, says. it should yeah. be darling, I mean, love, not Mariah Carey. It, if there was, if you're saying yeah, there shouldn't. I, sure. I like your if, answer. If it's for everybody. Had to be crowned. It is a good answer. Yeah. How about um, your favorite Christmas yeah. movies? Uh, uh, there's some that you and, and your family return to. Oh, yeah. You you asked about rituals too, so that, that that's a, 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 one answer to a twofold question. Um, yes, my favorite Christmas movie of all time is "It's a Wonderful Life." I watch it. We Elaine and I watch it every single year, usually uh, on oh, Christmas cool. Eve. Right after we watched The Grinch, mm -hmm. who was sold Christmas, the original animated 20-minute short. Uh, I don't care for the remix yes. that have been done more recently or whenever 10, I, 15 I years ago. Love the Jim Carrey, the Jim Carrey movie. The, 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 the <laughs> I, I, I hate that terrible. movie more than like any other movie I've ever seen, potentially with one exception. But yeah. yeah. I, I think your review on Letterboxd is you want to throw it into yeah. a fiery volcano or something. Did I, I yeah, remember. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, it's awful. Yeah, uh, it's awful. So th those are the two favorites um, that we definitely watch every year. I was super excited. We were, we spent uh, 2016 Christmas in New York City, and they were playing its oh, wonderful cool. life at the film forum. I've been there one so time to see it on 16 millimeter in the cinema. Oh, it was. I got best. to see Bernardo Bertolucci's so The Conformist at Film Forum. Fantastic! Foreign. That was one I'd been sp I'd oh, spent years great trying movie. to see in a theater, and ended up seeing it in a perfect yeah, spot. So. Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. So, those are the two go tos. Um, I don't have many other rituals uh, that we. You know, we we I'd like to stay up really late on Christmas Eve, and if we're lucky and it's snowing, which rarely happens here in Vancouver, but that makes it even more special just to be awake. Because I used to do this as a kid, I would I would just sneak back upstairs and just stay awake. I guess back then, hoping to catch a glimpse of Santa Claus, but just being alone and the quiet and the darkness, and but the trees lit and you just seeing reflections and the, the light and you look out the window and, and you see the, the sky and it's just there's something about christmas eve that that really really gets me it's my favorite yeah. time of the do you, whole year do you remember last christmas uh -huh. eve i i messaged you i was watching your movie 
on Christmas Eve. My wife and I watched it after mm-hmm. the kids went to bed. And when it finished, I looked out my window and it was snowing and we weren't expecting it at all. And uh, it was really, really neat. And I I was also watching uh, your movie, The Night of the Snowstorm, this year. It had already started snowing when I put it on, so it it didn't cause the snow. But there was about 28 minutes left in it when our power flickered and the TV turned off. <laughs> oh my. Oh my God. So, what was the last scene? What I, was the last scene? I think it. I Dark. think it was in 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 the Wayne Coyne interview. I think it was showing um, some of yeah, the black and white, right. the footage of their of their movie, the what the, the astronaut of uh, right. C- Christmas on Mars. Yeah, right. Christmas um, on Mars. I think that's what it was on. Right. Uh, so I so I had to I had to finish it right. um, after <laughs> I got my power back. So oh, something something happens <laughs> when I watch your movie, Mitchell. That's wild. <laughs> it has magical powers. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so I got to be careful when I watch moment. it, but uh, it's incredible. exciting whenever I do now. As exciting and magical as Christmas yeah. Eve. Now, are you usually a night owl, or is Christmas Eve kind of that that space where you stay up as late as you can? No, okay. I, I'm usually a night owl. I have been my whole life. So, like in the early days of even putting together the the Mary mix on cassette, I would be like, I I would stay up through the night and be awake for like 48 oh. hours putting together a Christmas mix, <laughs> just not going to sleep because I was just so excited and jazzed and I had the energy. I I can't do that any. I can't do those marathons anymore, but I can stay up, you know, into the morning. Uh, I don't know how anyone could do that, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I, I I really wish I was more of a morning person to be honest, because Elaine is, so we're polar opposites of each other. But uh, I feel like I waste a lot of time not being awake in the in the early morning. So yeah, that's me know. nowadays. Now that I work from home, yeah. I could sleep in past eight. Yeah, that's Dave's the thing, already right? worked for like two hours by right. the time I get out of bed. He's, he's yeah, really I work early to get off early <laughs> and you know, to spend the evening with family. Yeah, right. But um, well, Mitchell, it was wow. great to meet you, and thank you so much for being a part of our yeah, little Christmas season here too. at the BCW Hall. Um, this is awesome. I, we covered a lot of ground. I hope. Oh yeah, was yeah. Okay it was great. It was great, and I, I I'm sure okay, all good. our listeners okay, will want to. And you'll, of course, make it even better with you. <laughs> All of our listeners should check out Jingle Bell Rocks. Sorry. Uh, came out here in the States 2014. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. It's out there. If, if people, yeah, it's out there. But if people want a really good deal, they can just contact me directly. That's the only way I'll receive any kind of a, uh, a residual from this. So um, maybe we could say folks can talk, contact me for the movie and or soundtrack and or anything else um, via jingleballrocks.com. Cool. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the, yeah, I remember you explained that to me last year. There's oh. owner, oh, rights issues with that 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 prevent you from, from making money on it uh, at this point, which is really disappointing. Um, so, yeah, every, everybody, I highly recommend this, uh, add, adding it to your 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 seasonal viewing schedule. And uh, yeah, go to jinglebellrocks.com and contact Mitchell, and and he can 
hook you up with a, a stream of it or, or download or, or, or DVD. So yeah, I know you were selling, you were selling you autographed DVDs yeah. for less money than what Amazon sells them for, I believe. So that's if you want that's the right. best deal on it, get it directly from there you go. So, no, yeah. Bezos doesn't need any more money. Yeah, me. no, he doesn't. <laughs> it's maybe a little bit more convenient, but yeah, if they just look, look me up, jinglebox.com, I'm, I, I'll answer immediately and, and then we can connect and you know, like we can share uh, all kinds of other cool stuff. And I just want to say how much I appreciate both your guys' support and, and especially. You know, it, it's been so gratifying. It, now it's year eight in America that my film's been out in the world. And I still get messages from folks who are seeing it for the first time and or who have made it part of their own Christmas traditions, which is the hugest compliment I could ever receive. And kind of like a filmmaker's dream uh, to have a movie that has that kind of impact. So I'm just you know super grateful for any opportunity to to talk about it and to to be on your guys show is is really uh a yeah thank you thing. and thank and you i'll so say much. that you know in the last few years since i've started you know putting out christmas stuff and and getting plugged in with some of the you know the christmas twitter community uh it's it's been great getting to know those folks there and and you're uh def definitely uh sort of the, the grand old man of 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 Christmas Twitter, it seems everybody knows everybody knows yes. Mitchell. I, I, so I love that. It's it's been That's great right. and, and really That's wonderful right. to to finally That's get great. to to have a face to face conversation here, uh, even over Zoom. For sure. So really appreciate it. Uh, that was cool. And uh, let me let me show you a little. This is Mom and Daddy. Please don't steal from me this Christmas. get the idea it's a very 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 touching very meaningful uh song with an important message um, there you go <laughs> christmas is a time for giving not for for criming um, yeah i i hope so <laughs> that was our christmas episode number two we got to do two this year part two yeah i think and they were both if we really if we special. put it on a trend that means next year we gotta do three that's fine with me but Merry Christmas to all our listeners out there. Um, make sure you really do check out Jingle Bell Rocks if you haven't seen it. Uh, great Christmas documentary. Mitchell Kezin is such a cool guy. Uh, we were so honored to hang out with him. You can also find him on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at VCW Pod. I am at Dave J. Lester. Zach is at Muzak, M-U-Z-A-C-H. 
So find us there wherever you like to get podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review as that helps others find our show. Oh, and go to Zach's website. We're running out of time before Christmas, but you can go to muzak.bandcamp.com. You can listen to his Christmas album on there. You can also order the Christmas album on vinyl and now the famous Christmas album as he had a, a song make Mitchell Kedzen's Merry Mix. Last year, was it? And what song was that, Zach? Uh, it wasn't one from the album. It was the one that I put out last year. Uh, the um, what? What does Christmas mean to you? Is that what it's called? What is oh, it called? Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's not on the album. We can't. We can't. Yeah. Um, what, what does Christmas mean to you? We yeah, can't do a bait and switch. We can't. You know. So, so you're not going to find that on the vinyl. But the vinyl album is good, so you can order that and uh, hopefully get that before Christmas and maybe give it a few spins. Yeah, and I uh, put out a new Christmas song uh, this year as well. You can hear it on there. Uh, my my 11-year-old and I made it together called What is Under the Tree. It's fun. Um, yeah, so thanks again, as always, for coming down to the VCW. And remember, the podcast is free. You still need to tie the 10%.